The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Lloyd, today our show is a lot about employment privacy, and we have a fabulous employment lawyer who actually was deemed to be in 2009, 2010, 2011. He was honored by the Daily Journal, which is the legal newspaper for the entire state of California, as one of the top employment employment plaintiff, excuse me, employment lawyers of California. And then again in 2009, 2010, 2011, he was also honored to be named to the Southern California Super Lawyers by the Daily Journal again. So this is incredible. Let me tell you a little bit more about James DeSimone. Jim was admitted to practice law in California in 1985, same year I was, and he has dedicated his law career to providing vigorous representation for those people whose civil rights and constitutional rights are being violated by corporations or governmental agencies and entities. From 1987 to 1990, he was staff attorney at Westside Legal Services in Santa Monica, California, and there he was lead trial lawyer representing lower-income families and individuals who couldn't afford a lawyer. But since then, he is with his own firm, which is Schoenbrunn, DeSimone, Seplo, Harris, Hoffman, and Harrison in California and Venice. And he represents plaintiffs in civil rights cases, class action cases, and he has an emphasis on employment discrimination, harassment, constitutional rights, including government and policeman misconduct. And these are all really related to many privacy issues. He's done incredible work with many, many high profile cases, and he's obtained a verdicts of 17 million, 16 million, 10.5 million, 5 million in in settlements for unlawful wage and hour practices. He's achieved a 1.6 million class action settlement against a hospital. I mean, we could go on and on, and they're all on his website, which you can look at, at which is uh, losangelesemploymentlawyer.com. You can find a lot more about him, but I want to spend the time talking with him personally. So thank you so much, James, for joining us. My pleasure, Mari. So it's been a, an exciting year being super lawyer for the last three years, right? 
something well, else. Well, we do good work, and the challenges continue, and with the advances of technology and the information that uh, our clients share publicly, as well as the people they sue, it, it, it makes for a whole host of cutting-edge issues in the law. Right. Let's talk a little bit about that. You know, we've got the use of Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, MySpace, you know, all the dating websites and other networking sites. Tell us, what is our realistic expectation of privacy when we're using those sites? Well, our expectation of privacy really goes as far as the steps we personally take to protect that privacy. In other words, a site like Facebook, as as most of uh, your listeners know, really has enables the user to put in his or her own privacy settings. If you don't put those privacy settings in, you make what you say available to the public, your expectations of privacy are just that, absolutely zero. So it's very important that even though these are it's a fun site to use, it's great to catch up with, with uh, people we know, in order to protect ourselves, we really have to take the time to go into the privacy settings and make sure that we are not revealing what, what we want just for family and for friends to the general public at, at large. And you know what's interesting for me is I get a lot of requests to, to you know, be a friend on Facebook from people I have no idea who they are. And even if I look them up, I still don't know who they are. So what do you think about that? I, I just have a rule in my head, if I don't know them you know, through another friend that I really, really know, or if I don't know who they are, I just won't make them a friend. Well, that is the absolute uh, safest way to go about using Facebook. Make sure that the person comes in as a credentialed person. Because, unfortunately, while it's, while it's unlawful to do so, I mean, it's very easy for someone to befriend someone on, on Facebook in order to gain insight into their posts and not be who they say they are. And this is... Uh, you know, de- definitely a, a, a challenge as those of us like myself who use Facebook for the whole personal aspect of it, but also use it as a networking tool in order to meet other lawyers, other people who uh, may belong to organizations, who may have clients that need our help. So I don't always know any, everyone who's on my, my Facebook page, but I try to make sure that the person has enough information so that I can make sure that they are who they say they are. And that just doesn't mean that we have 40 friends in common, because I, we, I found and others have found that one person could start friending friends of friends, and all of a sudden you think, oh, they must be okay because they have 40 friends in common, but they've pulled the wool over 40 people's eyes. So you, so you really have to be careful with that. Now, you represent a lot of plaintiffs. What do you tell them about you know, a lot of them use Facebook, and what if they have a discrimination case? What do you tell them about protecting themselves so that they don't get embarrassed when they're deposed or when they're put on the witness stand? Well, when someone comes to my office, we go to my computer and we sit down and we go on their Facebook page together. We look at their friends. We look at their photos. If they have photos that we think might take them in a negative light, we ask them to take those photos down. Um, we see how important Facebook is. Maybe, maybe, maybe they should keep the site shut down during the pendency of litigation. But I think that goes a, a, a little too far. I let I let them know that look. Right now, the law is evolving. Just recently, a case came down where the defendant was trying to get not only what was posted on a person's Facebook page. But they were asking the court to give them their username and their password mm. so that they would be able to go in and see all the private messages. 
unfortunately, a Los Angeles Superior Court judge uh, recently said, no, that's overbroad. That, goes, that violates their privacy rights. And we do have an important privacy right that is codified in our California Constitution. So for folks who live in California, we actually have broader protection than in some other states. And that's, that, that is important to know. In fact, we're one of only two states that actually has an Office of Privacy Protection. So, yeah, that's, that's good to know. I do go through the discovery process and to, and to let them know that, it, you know, once a bell, you know, once you ring a bell, you can't unring the bell. Right. So it's one thing if the defendants in a case, I mean, we often are representing individuals who have been harassed in the workplace, discriminated against in the workplace. It might not be easy for those defendants to go on a fishing expedition and get everything that someone has posted on their Facebook page. However... Let's face it, people are going to friend people who they work with. And all it takes is one of your coworkers who want to curry favor with the company that you're suing to, say, to, to start printing out and providing those types of uh, the, the things that you post on Facebook to where your expectation of privacy is now diminished because someone you let into your circle has, has revealed what you posted. So it's very important that you think about what you're posting. Um, if you're, being, if you're being harassed at work, well, there's ways to deal with that. There's appropriate channels to go through to complain to the company and to take action that gives the company the obligation to take appropriate corrective action and, and protect your rights. Posting that someone's a racist pig on your Facebook page isn't the way to do that. That's, right. that's not the way to accomplish that. So just as I, as a lawyer, when I write something, an email, even to my public counsel, I think, what is it going to look like if the judge reads this? Yes. almost have to get into the mindset if you're anticipating or contemplating that, that you're going to file a lawsuit against your employer, what's the jury going to, how is the jury going to react if they see this up on the screen during a jury trial? How is a judge going to react and, and, and censor yourself in that way? So we go through the postings, we go through their friends. Who are their friends? Maybe it's time to restrict certain people who might be their coworkers to, from access to everything that, that's, on, that's on their wall. So it really is a process to sort of get your client into the mindset that, the pri- that what they think might be private and can't be used against them, as the old line says, everything you can, everything you say can and will be used against you. The same can be true for what you think is an innocent uh, posting on a Facebook page. Right. And you don't know who you're dealing with. You know, what if... What if some attorney does something that is really unethical, which it is against our rules of professional responsibility, that some pretends to be a friend that you let in, you know, so you don't even know who you're dealing with. It's just probably better to be very, very careful, whatever you post and whatever you've blogged as well. It isn't just on the social networking sites. If you have a blog or if you have a website is, you know, it's just anything can be used, like you said. Absolutely. It really is a fine line, too, because it depends on the nature of the case. I mean, if someone, is, if someone say, is, is injured and they're out on, on a medical leave or a disability leave because they, you know, they say, well, I, I, I can't work, well, you're not going to be wanting to post photographs of, of yourself going out um, doing uh, cross-country skiing or, or skiing or anything that would, you know, would, would involve some vig- vigorous activity. In the same way, I mean, personally, I always like to post positive messages on my Facebook page. I, 
I don't like to, to, to complain when, I, when I'm not feeling well or so. And I think a lot of people are that way, although I know some of my friends are, do, 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 it, do it in other ways. However, if you're claiming because of, it, because of the stress that you've gotten on the job, because of discrimination or harassment, that you're emotionally distressed, some courts might say that your positive expressions of emotion, I feel good today, I'm happy today, are discoverable in a lawsuit. There's been some cases in other jurisdictions that I've taken a look at where the courts have, have, have allowed defendants to get those types of postings. So, again, it depends on the nature of the case, and you really have to apply common sense to really be more private if you're involved in something as, as serious as, as a lawsuit against your employer. Right, and it's it's rough. I mean, even if you're not involved in a lawsuit, you have to think about what you're posting because once you put something on the Internet, it gets replicated all over the place. It's never really deleted, never really gone, and so it can come up again. So whether you're in a lawsuit or not, it's a good idea to, to really be careful and think before you put something up on the web that might put you in a, in a bad light. Well, absolutely. It doesn't just apply if you're in a lawsuit, because let's face it, we all at times are going to be applying for a job or wanting a position somewhere. And a recent survey has shown that 75% of companies have formal policies requiring their personnel departments to do some sort of online research of applicants. And that 70% of, the, of recruiters or professionals have rejected candidates based on information that they found online. So you know, we, we, we all need to work to put food on the table. So if you're, if you really do have to think about what you're putting out there and whether if, if someone actually uh, does gain access to this, whether it's going to um, uh, disqualify you for employment or make you look like the applicant that, well, we're going to go to the next one because this person, for instance, had a marijuana leaf as a picture on their on their um on, on their Facebook page or, you know, we're, we're shown binge drinking or something like that. It's just not the type of thing that you want to put out there in the public, in the public eye. Exactly. I had um, a gentleman that came over, a young guy, and that I was going to hire as an intern. And um, so we were looking at Facebook pages and we looked at his, you know, and I said, when I saw that, I thought, oh, my goodness, what are what are you thinking? You know, he had expletive deleted, deletives and he had stupid pictures up there and I thought well that isn't going to be good even though you know it wasn't uh it was defamatory turned himself and I thought this you know if this kind of person works for me how is that going to look for my reputation so I told him you know you should take that down right away and start something different because you don't want to have anyone see that it's going to hurt you for promotions anything but uh, again this whole idea of all this social networking where people are sharing so much information and, and employers really haven't have access to it. And it's not really covered by the Fair Credit Reporting Act unless it's a third party company that is um, is doing the search. Isn't that right? That's right. I mean, under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, I, in, in someone who's applying for a job uh, needs to be notified that and they have to give consent to having your, your credit report and they have to be informed if they don't receive a job because of something on their credit report. That that that's why they're not getting the job. And we we get calls um, frequently from people say, "Wow, I didn't get a job because of my credit report." Isn't that discrimination? Well, right now under the law, no, it's not. 
you can uh, a, a company can look at someone's credit and not give a job because of uh, something that's uh, that's on their credit report. Now, of course, there are ways to take steps to correct things on your credit report and to and to make that and to make that look better. But you know that then that's something that that you're doing after the fact. But your your initial point, Mari, is very true. That you know it's one thing when you, there are certain laws that protect the consumer from what third parties, uh, what information is provided by third parties about them to to an employer or to or or in another context. But if you're putting it out there yourself, you're showing that. This is not something that you consider private because you're you're publishing it into the public. I think it's going to be interesting as as these cases evolve to say, well, how you know, at what point do the fact that someone has you know three thousand five hundred friends or something along those lines at what at what point have they now said, well, this isn't just private. This is something that I'm publishing to all to all those people. So once again, networking is great. To, to, to get those friends, you never know. I never know where my next case is going to come from, and sometimes we never know where that next opportunity is going to come from. But be mindful of what you're putting out there so that people see you in, in, in the best light possible. Absolutely. Jim, so here you are, an employment lawyer. So let's talk about some of the privacy rights that we have with, with regard to surveillance, for example. I'm sorry, in regard to? With regard to surveillance, there's lots of privacy issues at the at the workplace. So I thought we'd go through some of them, like surveillance, voicemail, sure. other stuff like that. Let's talk about surveillance first. Yeah, well, you really do give up a lot of your, your privacy rights when you are in the workplace. For instance, I mean, if as long as an employer is letting people know that they're being videotaped or they're being audio, or their phone calls can be audio taped, um, and you know we get you get those messages when you call it and, uh, it, a lot of times um, there's nothing unlawful about that nothing unlawful for a company if they put out if, if they give you a vehicle or they give you a phone with a GPS system nothing unlawful for a company to to, to track your whereabouts uh, while, while you while you're on the job if you're working out out there on the feet in the field if you're using a company-owned computer even your own private email at work can arguably become discoverable. And certainly any, any websites you're, you're looking at while you're at work, the company can, can access those. I can't tell you how many cases I, I, I have where once I ask for um, discovery from the other side, once my client's terminated, they have now gone into their computer and looked at every single website they are accessing at work. And some things that could be innocuous. Well, they're looking for where they're taking their next vacation and so on. It's printed out, and this is what the person's doing at work, and they use it to show that they're 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 doing something else besides what they should be should be doing on the job. So, um, while surveillance is is is, is a concern, it, the it, it does it does appear that employers are are able to do it so long as they disclose to the to the employee that. Yes, you are. Un- this is what we're going to be doing. So, should employees look at the handbook so that they know what what expectation of privacy they have? For example, if the if the handbook has that, uh, we will be looking at your emails, whether they're your Gmail or not, if they're on our computer. I mean, is it 
you know, I, I guess they want to know, can I use my own private email, my Gmail account to do something to talk to my doctor or my lawyer? Of course, lawyer is a little bit different, but how about what is the difference then between using a Gmail account and and using the account for the employer? Is there a difference? Is there going to be a difference if they use a private account? Well, I think there is a difference, but the, the again, it's, it's that unringing of the bell problem. In other words, you have no expectation of privacy at all if you're using a, a, a company Gmail or company-owned account. You know that the employer gains access to it. The question becomes a little bit more of a gray area if a person is using the computer they're using at work and uh, thereby accessing um, their private Gmail account, and they happen to use it on the computer. But... They have used it on that computer, and the company has access to the hard drive of the computer. The company can go back and, and, and with the computer expert and get and get those um, messages. So what we advise our clients to do is don't use your personal email account at work. As difficult as it is, use it on a separate computer off work hours. This way, we can be assured that our communications are indeed private. Or if they do, if they have an iPhone that belongs to them, if they're using it at work, if they go to the bathroom or they go on break or at lunch and they're using their iPhone, is that something that is okay to do, to be able to communicate with you or someone else, on their doctor or somebody privately? I, I, I believe so, yes, because if it's your own iPhone, it's your own, if, if it's your own account and you're not using that account for work-related purposes, um, you, you, you should you should be safe utilizing utilizing that. Um, I think know, it gets and muggy. Of course, you have the attorney-client privilege. So if you're communicating with your attorney, uh, you you know that that's privileged. But you know what what folks uh, have to realize is that um, you know we only take on cases where someone has been especially aggrieved and especially harmed by their company. But in those cases. You really have to be careful about who you're giving information to, because if you're giving information to a wide variety of people, that information is discoverable in a lawsuit. I had a deposition this week where my, the first question posed to my client is, who have you spoken to about this case? Right. Now, we prepared them for every, every question possible, um, but this lawyer spent the first two hours, who did you speak to, when were the conversations, and what did you say? Oh, dear. Uh-huh. And, you know, our, my client did a terrific job in, in responding uh, honestly to, to the questions. But, um, you know, so, but when, you, when you're involved in something like that, you do have to keep in mind as, as to uh, what you're, who you're communicating to and what, and what you're saying. Exactly. What about background checks? That's a little bit different uh, when people are looking to apply and we're talking about more than just the credit reports, which, by the way, new law has kind of limited in the state of California. And I think there's several other states that have limited the use of credit reports to to a particular job that they need it, something to do with maybe money. If you're going to be a bookkeeper, an accountant, something in the financial industry. Otherwise, it's going to be limited now as of 2012. But what about the kind of background checks that are including criminal background checks and much more invasive types of background checks? Um, what do you tell people that they should do about those? 
Well, first of all, you want to be honest on your resume. I mean, that, that might be obvious, but in terms of a background check, um, know the companies are going to make sure that, uh, that, that you're honest on your resume. I mean, we do have some protections in terms of uh, if someone has had an, an arrest that hasn't gone to any sort of uh, c- conviction at all, the California Labor Code does provide the protection that um, a person, that a company cannot use that, uh, the fact of that arrest against someone, and there are both civil and criminal penalties if, if a company does. Um, in terms of, um, as, as you all know, Mari, if, if, there's, if there's some sort of identity theft issue where uh, you know, someone with a similar name has been, uh, has been convicted and, and a company is using that information against, against a person, that too is unlawful against, against the California Civil Code. The, so, but, but in terms of criminal convictions, um, a, if, if the person has actually been, been convicted, uh, especially of a felony, then that then that is something that is permissible to um, uh, in, in order for a company to do a background check, and and and, and frankly, legitimately so, um, legitimately so, because you really want to make sure that the person who you're you know we've had situations where our clients have been assaulted by someone who had a prior felony record. Right. Well, you know, and, and in those in those situations, the company did have the obligation because of the nature of the employment to do a criminal background check. And we, as consumers, for instance, when you step into a store, fast store security, you want to make sure that the, that that, uh, that that the person who's providing security is not someone who is who is a thug or something or, or something along those lines. Right, because they'd be they'd be exposed to liability for that. Aside from the fact that they wouldn't want their customers to be hurt. Yeah. Yes, you would. You would hope so. Although um, I, I, I sometimes gain a cynical view as to uh, why companies do certain things, but I'll, I'll set that aside for this. <laughs> I, I think there's another important protection under, under California law that um, is that a company cannot, um, unless they can show an absolute business necessity in terms of the the interview process. Um, either what you fill out un- under the Fair Employment and Housing Act, they can't inquire as to any prior medical problems or, or, or disability, including any counseling you've received and, and, and things like that, which is really important, especially in this day and age where, you know, so, so many of us do seek out counseling if, if something uh, impacts our family and that it really is, uh, frankly, none of our none of the employer's business if someone's uh, done that in, in, in the past. So um, that is a violation of the Fair Employment and Housing Act if a company did that. One of the cases you mentioned, uh, we had a, a hospital where they were utilizing a pre-employment health inventory, which asked the question, have you ever been to counseling? If so, explain. And uh, we were able to gain class certification for the employees of that company, and the, the court uh, ruled and we were able to, to resolve the case favorably to say, no, this, this is just overbroad to ask somebody those types of questions uh, when, when, they're, uh, when, when they're applying for a job. So that, that's another protection that, uh, that uh, we, we have here in California. And so in that case, the, the, um, the employer stopped asking that question, I would imagine. Yes, we ended up negotiating a new uh, pre-employment health inventory, and they actually um, they, they they actually put what um, the the ones that they already had they they 
put them in a locked repository somewhere, and, you know, and, and that that would exist for I think twenty years, just in case they needed to show what was in there. But it was it, there was a, a we really uh, took uh, great pains to make sure that the company didn't still have access to that information after after the case was case was resolved. Yes. Well, you know, in this day and age now, when so many people are looking for jobs, this kind of stuff is extremely important. So we're just about out of time. Why don't you give your website so people can go in on that and tell us just a minute about what's on your website that they can learn from? Well, under... Um, I'm, You're, you, like Los Angeles Employment yeah, Lawyer. Los Angeles com. Employment Lawyer. com. We do set forth the... Uh, the, the laws that, that protect people from discrimination and, and harassment, and what I would te- what I, what I tell people when they're when 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 they're being exposed to this type of thing is you always want to take the high road. You always want to look at the company's policies, and you want to make sure that you follow the company's policies in terms of how you're going to um, address discrimination or harassment or wa- wage violations. That's the way to make sure you're protected. I mean, it's not only what you say. It's who you say it to, and it's how you say it. So um, communicate that in a professional manner. Let the employer always know that you value your job. Um, Remember, even though we all enjoy our our personal private lives, there's a lot of overlap right now. And in in order to to be successful, you really have to make sure that you're you're conducting yourself in in, in an upright manner um, so that if, if something does happen, uh, people will empathize with what you've been through. Sounds great. Well, we will send people to look at LosAngelesEmploymentLawyer.com. And thank you so much, Jim DeSimone. You're terrific. And we will have you back again. Keep up the great work in helping consumers. Thank you so much for having me on, Mari. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m., right here on KUCI, and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. See our upcoming guests, download archived interviews, and tell us more about what's important to you in the information age. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.